Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Chronicles 12.32 describes the men of Issachar as having an understanding of the times in which they lived. They are said to have known what Israel ought to do. So again, 1 Chronicles 12.32. And you're going to think to yourself, if you look it up, it's like a half of a verse. And it's in the midst of a series of descriptions of groups of people. Well, we want to be like the men of Issachar. Who are the men of Issachar today? Uh, or the men and women of Issachar today? Who among us sees and hears and then rightly understands what's going on in the world. Who brings the wisdom of God to bear with clarity and insight and helps us know what we ought to do? Like, those are the people whose voices we need to be lifting up in this time. I can't tell you the number of, I'm going to use the word pitches here, because this is actually how publicists press people toward the media. I can't tell you the number of pitches I've received in the last three or four days um, about, you know, frankly, people who are just flaming or uh, fanning the flames of hysteria and all kinds of uh, ideas and thoughts related to the times in which we live. And, I'm, and I tell you, I, I do a little research on those people and I'm like, whew, uh, no, not sharing uh, that with, with the listening audience of Faith Radio. So I'm like a filter in that way. Um, but I can just tell you there are lots of voices out there today who are not seeking um, the wisdom of the Lord, not seeking to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of our day. And so I want you to sort of tune up your discernment filter. I don't know how how better say that. So um, when I went to seminary, my discernment filter was kind of wide open. I had the expectation that because these people were had um, gowns and stripes on their robes and big fancy like hoods and like, right, they are, you know, they're the academic elite. Um, so what they say can be trusted. Um, I, I discovered pretty quickly that's not true, right? Not everyone is aligning the way they think with the Bible and what God has revealed about his own character and his will for us. Not everybody is um, speaking the truth of the Word of God into the world today. And so you and I, as, as the people of God, we have to be discerning. And so I want to encourage you to tighten up that discernment filter today. You've probably got a couple of different kinds of colanders in your um, strainers, is another word for that, colander, strainer, um, in, your, uh, in your cabinet. There's the one that you use like for big lasagna noodles, and then there's the one that you have to use if you were trying to like, you know, strain out a gnat. Not that you're straining a gnat out of your pasta, but hopefully you get the mixed metaphor that I'm offering here. Um, you, you want a really pretty like coffee filter kind of filter today. Because there are just a lot of people saying a lot of things that are not aligned with either the Word of God nor the will of God. And so anyone who is seeking to stoke the, um, the flame of, uh, of wild ideas, let me just encourage you to resist that and to um, take a step back. Um, and part of this is in how we engage on social media. So let's just be discerning of what we're reading 
and then recognize that anything that we share or platform on our social media, um, we lend our credibility to that. So let's be very careful about that to to which we lend our credibility or to whom we lend our credit the credibility of our good name. Because remember, our good name is today representing Christ to the world because we are his followers. All right, next up, Peter Kapsner is waiting in the wings. Uh, and he and I are going to talk about whether or not this really is the end of the world as we know it, because after all, that's what some people are saying. We'll be right back. me now, Dr. Peter Kapsner. Hey, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks, Carmen. Great to hear your voice again, as always. I feel like I, I my litany of um, of introductory pieces for people about, you know, like where they teach and what they do has become suddenly less relevant. Yeah, you know, it's really true, too. And I appreciate it. Even what you said in the opener there is that, yes, even as one who does teach in seminary, uh, I have been around the block a little bit in terms of different schools, different seminaries, going to conferences around our countries over the years. And there are some really amazingly beautiful people that uh, speak with great wisdom about God's kingdom. And I love to sit in their presence and sit under their teaching. And there's a lot of people out there that uh, do have fancy letters after their names and the and the great robes and all of that. And uh, boy, I wouldn't rub two nickels together listening to some of what they have to say just about life moving forward. So Experts are only experts insofar as their voice is trustworthy, and it isn't always trustworthy, and yet there is incredibly trustworthy people, too. And so I appreciate just even what you said about uh, being a bit of a filter of discernment so that we can hear the voices that really will bring some peace and hope and and, um, and some clarity in the situation. It's not the easiest thing to find. Absolutely. All right. I have seen lots of references of late to Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21, uh, the yep. end of times, the end of days. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, about that conversation that's happening in the Christian culture, um, and then let's talk about, like, is this the end of times? Are these the end of days? Mm-hmm. Or is this just the end of the world as we knew it? Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny. I, I didn't know that you were going to reference Matthew 24, and I'm literally sitting here with my computer open to Matthew 24 and reading through it again. I remember when I first heard, uh, uh, I would say, a trusted voice of a pastor who did some great exegetical work on this sermon, he made the point as Jesus was talking about wars and rumors of wars and nation rising against nation and famines and earthquakes and all of what we see in this world that are some of those troubling events that happen, he, he made the point that what Jesus was teaching in these moments is that, that those things, unfortunately, are always going to be part of the sort of the brokenness of this world. And then Jesus uses a really interesting analogy in chapter in verse 8 of chapter 24 when he says all of these are the beginning of birth pains. And now we have five kids in our home, and so I've been present at the birth of five children and, uh, and <clears throat> what that process is like, at least insofar as Hallie and I would walk through it, wondering, is this the time? Is this the time where the baby is going to come? Or in this analogy, is this the end of the world overall? And 
one of the questions we asked is how regular and and how um, consecutive and <clears throat> the time in between the birth pangs, what was that like? I mean, when Hallie would start going into labor, it would be maybe 15 minutes, she would have a birth pang, and then maybe it'd be two hours, and then it'd be two over five minutes, and then it might just completely subside for five hours. And the idea being is that we never really went into the hospital until the birth pains began to be very regular at every 30 minutes, and then it's about every 20 minutes. And then, of course, when you're in the hospital, you really see that corner turn at about every 10 minutes and every five minutes. And the point of the analogy is that there's always going to be these sporadic things that happen in the world. They, they rise up, they abate for a while, whether it's the Spanish flu or the Black Plague, and I'm not putting the coronavirus yet in that category, but we see those kinds of things pop up. And what you're really looking for, at least according to the analogy, is the regularity of them. And when they become time after time after time and they get closer together and closer together, maybe at that time it's time to start putting the radar up, knowing that none of us know when the end is going to happen. Um, but all of these things, what they do, Carmen, is they presage the end of the world they, they, and they reveal the illusions that we might want to put our trust in the things of this world. Um, certainly, there was nothing on my calendar, on my little iPhone calendar in December that had anything about coronavirus and lockdown. And so I was living like we all do, sort of in the illusion of what's going to happen in 2020 and what my job is going to look like and what's going to happen to my family. And you, you sort of have this sense that the future is at least somewhat controllable when it simply is not. So when these things pop up, they reveal that illusion. And eventually, they're going to pop up so frequently and so regularly, and the world's going to become so dark. And in those moments, people are going to be crying out for a savior to come. Uh, and, and that's, I think, at least theologically, sort of what we're looking for, even though we don't know the time of the day. So is this the end of all things? Well, that's way beyond my pay grade to say whether that would be, but I think we can look at it as part of the pattern of the world. And uh, certainly this is more alarming than Y2K, but I remember at the turn of the century in 2000, and I'm sure you do too, airplanes were going to drop out of the sky, all computers were going to shut down, the world would be plunged into darkness, and, and that didn't happen then. Um, so this is really tough globally. There isn't any other way around it, but it might be, I might need to take a pause as to whether it's apocalyptic at this point. So the Y2K reference is actually helpful. That's at least, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who remember the lead up to that. A hundred years prior to that is also a really interesting point in history to look at because that period of time was very apocalyptic in terms of the yeah. language of the day and the preaching of the day. Um, I do think that history helps us um, understanding the points in time when um, when the church has imagined, thought uh, that, you know, that this was the time. Here's, here's the way I've been answering the question as people have been sort of fretfully asking it. I have been turning to Scripture with them, right? Let's actually look at this passage from Matthew 24. Let's look at the passage from Luke 21. Let's actually look at what God has said himself about what things are going to be like. Some of these things we do see today. Um, others of these things we do not see today. Um, and so there is a look up part of this, like when you start seeing these things, look up, like pay attention um, but don't become totally obsessed with it, right? Continue moving right. forward faithfully uh, in the advance of the gospel. It's God's desire that today we would be the ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. We would be not only living by those principles, but we would be advancing those principles um, and the declaration of that prospect of personal and eternal peace with everyone. And so let's be busy doing what, like when Jesus comes back, I want to I be caught being really busy about his business, 
So um, so let's just encourage people to do that today. Hey, when we come back from the break, can you and I pivot to a different conversation? You, um, you and your family have been homeschooling for a long time. Um, we are now all homeschooling, and we need <laughs> right. some help. Yeah. Will, you, uh, will yeah. you give me some insight into that? I can do the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to continue my conversation with Dr. Peter Kapsner up next. We'll be right back. We make a miracle walking, promise keeper, light and the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Continuing my conversation with Dr. Peter Kapsner. Um, Peter, you guys have been homeschooling for a long time. Literally, we're all homeschoolers now. I'm just wondering if you have some tips for those of us who um, find ourselves in this new situation. Yeah, you know, I find this conversation, Carmen, more fraught with peril than I do about whether you and I can predict the end of the world. (laughs) I mean, this one has, let's just say a little bit of energy about it for some understandable reasons. So before I say anything about it, um, we kind of fell into homeschooling only because we had started schooling our kids overseas. And um, they've they've been in public school, they've been in private school, they've been homeschooled. and And I can see the benefits and the drawbacks of all of them. So I have many people in the public school system that, uh, including my brother, who I just respect deeply. I actually had an elementary school degree, uh, uh, education degree as well. Um, It was probably good I didn't find my way in the classroom, given my abysmal classroom management skills. So um, so all of that uh, aside, we have been homeschooling for about the last 10 or 12 years. And, you know, it really was a major adjustment. And I think there's a couple things that maybe we learned along the way that just generally speaking for anybody might be helpful. And and that is um, that I, I think, especially in the current situation, we're, we're not going to ruin our kids. You know, we're, <laughs> we're uh, in, in a couple of months of schooling. Um, they're not going to be set back permanently. And uh, and they're not going to we don't just kind of take a, a pause with that, because I think there's a lot of fear. We talk to a lot of people that have a lot of fear about what am I going to do? My kid's going to fall behind. I'm not I'm not going to be able to get them the physics and the math or, or any of these, you know, kinds of um, topics that can be difficult to teach. And I think if somebody had to homeschool for the first time for maybe two or three months, everything that I've read and seen, it's almost the most helpful thing to just have them read, uh, read all of the classic literature, read um history books, read uh, just from maybe some philosophy if they're older. Uh, but again, Putting good literature in the hands of kids expands the minds um, socially from a critical thinking standpoint, from a language standpoint, from a comprehensive standpoint. Uh, If it had to be a longer situation, then there's all kinds of online resources that are incredibly helpful these days. The homeschool community has just entirely exploded with resources. There's nothing like American capitalism to see a niche that needs to be filled. And boy, oh boy, are there a lot of really strong resources, whether it's IXL for math or French language tutors. I mean, my my kids are primarily pretty proficient in French and they've worked online with a French tutor once a week and that's all it's taken. So if this goes on longer, there's lots of online tools that I would start exploring. But if this is going to be for the next couple of months, the, we, we spent the first two years, I think, of homeschool with our kids just having them read. And in that reading, it set a foundation for all the other topics. So there's no perfect way forward. I know there's probably lots of homeschool families listening right now that would say, no, you've got to do classical education or you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And, and that's why I say um, just don't be afraid. Try some things. See what works with your kids. Um we have a different rhythm than other families do. Our kids get up pretty slowly. They start with a circle time, uh, meaning that they spend some time with God and then move forward with their day. And it's a pretty relaxed but still structured day. Other families are, they need to be very structured and others are laid back. But those are some different things. I mean, definitely put good literature 
uh, in their hands. If you need to do this longer, there's great online resources and, uh, and I can help with those sorts of things too. And then just pick the, pick the kind of rhythm that works for your family. Don't feel like you have to be an actual school day. So, um, so the USA Today is, uh, you know, like the rest of us, um, recognizing uh, this uh, critical need right now. And so just today they have posted um, a piece that's called 18 Totally Free Educational Resources for Kids yeah. Stuck at Home. I, I, would pref- I would prefer some different language there, like, right, enjoying the opportunity to be educated at home maybe would be my yeah. uh, preferred way. Um, but everything from, um, you know, like worksheets and activities and lesson plans to more comprehensive uh, online educational uh, tutorials, um, but even like how to teach, how to participate with your kid just in like learning to draw. What's amazing yeah. to me, Peter, is um, um, like they have like they have people reading to children like there's a like Oprah Winfrey reading a children's book to children. Are we at the place where parents don't even like know how to just read mm. and draw stick figures? Like have we? Yeah. Are we at that point? Well, I think you hit on a really important subject, Carmen, is that this can be a little bit of a reset for uh, the families out there that I that I really understand and fall into this category myself is that we can end up running, running, running ragged and trying to build our kids' resumes by getting them in activities and social groups and whatever that looks like. And if our kids have been gone eight, nine hours out of the day, we, we lose sight of <clears throat> even sort of who they are and an opportunity to spend time with them. I totally get it. I mean, I, I have, again, I've been in that world and, and so many of my friends, we, we struggle with these conversations. How do we spend this time with our kids? And this can really be a reset where we as parents learn some of these skills again to just take a pause in our own life, take 15 minutes or 20 minutes and just sit and like you said, draw with our kids, read with our kids. We had an incredibly sweet time last night for a half an hour. Um, we're getting to the end of the Lord of the Rings saga from J.R.R. Tolkien with my three youngest kids, um, Samuel, Abby, and Simon. And that half an hour was so sweet. And because we're quarantined, guess who showed up? My 18-year-old and my 20-year-old are up there too. And our entire family, as I read, um, I, I won't do any of the spoilers. We're right at spoiler moments, but it was an incredible time as a family to just read together uh, and have that time together where otherwise we probably would have been going all sorts of different directions. So yes, by all means, this is an opportunity for parents to learn some things that maybe we've forgotten. It's an opportunity to spend some time with our kids, however uh, sort of uncertain we might feel entering into it. So, um, I mean, it, it it took Callie and I probably two full years to find a rhythm of homeschooling that really worked for us. And so, <clears throat> again, to just sort of ease that uh, understandable anxiety, what do I do? My kids are at home. I don't even know how to teach. Well, for most people, it takes a long time to find a rhythm, and we're, we've been thrown into it as a country. So give yourself some grace. Um, just do some simple things, and you'll be amazed at what starts developing from there. Peter Kapsner, thank you, um, as always, so much. We're going to continue this conversation in the weeks to come. So, you know, maybe just sort of keep track of the good ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I know my wife, Hallie, has many more good ideas than I do, and I've told her. <laughs> she, I, I've asked her to write a bit of a blog, and she's willing to do that, so... Okay, well then um, we can we can I will post it. So we will uh, that will be on the mornings with Carmen uh, Page on the MyFaithRadio.com website. We are going to have expert input from Hallie Kapsner uh, on homeschooling tips for families who suddenly find themselves doing just that. Hey, Peter, thank thank Hallie in advance. We appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I'll take care of you guys. Good to hear your voices again. Likewise. We'll be right back.
Okay, I love uh, I love the way that our listeners are pitching in their ideas. You remember, you can always text me at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. The places where you are finding um, good resources for the challenges of the day. Always appreciate that. So keep those coming. Um, I would just remind everybody that you know when you're turning to social media. Um, you you kind of need to vet the person who's posting the information that you are then um, directing other people to. So um, the source of the information does matter. I just invite you to do a little research on the people who are posting. If you are then in turn thinking about not only following their counsel, but passing their counsel on to others um, as if you uh, have, you know, or the, as if it is worthy of your name being on it as well. Um, so... That would be my encouragement. Um, Okay, so next up, Lacey Finn Borgo is going to join me. She's the author of Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together. She draws on her own experience of practicing spiritual direction with children, and she's offering us an overview of childhood spiritual formation. She's going to offer us some key skills for engaging conversation with our kids. This is going to be great. Stay with us. It is not God's will that you face every day with dread and trepidation. This is Max Licato. I have a childhood memory that I cherish. My father loved cornbread and buttermilk. About 10 o'clock each night, he would meander into the kitchen and crumble a piece of cornbread into a glass of buttermilk, stand at the counter, and drink it. Then he'd make the rounds to the front and back doors, checking the locks once everything was secure. He would step into the bedroom I shared with my brother and say something like, Everything is secure, boys. You can go to sleep now. I have no inclination to believe that God loves cornbread and buttermilk, but I do believe He loves His children. He keeps everything secure. He oversees your world, and by His power, you will be anxious for nothing and discover the peace that passes all understanding. This is Max Locato. Joining me now, Lacey Finn Borgo. She is, among other things, the author of Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together. She lives on a hobby farm in Colorado. I might bring that up. Uh, she has a Doctor of Ministry degree in Leadership and Spiritual Formation. She's got uh, she's got plenty of educational background to do what she's doing. She's also been a classroom teacher, um, and she's got kids. So uh, here we go. Lacey, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Good to be with you today. It's wonderful to, um, to have you here today. Um, I would simply love by uh, love it if we could just start by you giving us a little insight into um, when we have conversations with children, are they all spiritual conversations? Can they all be spiritual conversations? Or should we think of every conversation we have with a child as ultimately a spiritual conversation? Mm, that's such a great question. And I think your last one is exactly, it's, it's the way it is in the world, that every conversation we have with children is a spiritual conversation. And that's because our picture of God and our image of God is being formed in, uh, when we are young in every single interaction that they are having with us and with the world around them. Um, that um, deep 
um, connection and relationship with God is being formed in how they are, even right now, in how they are processing the coronavirus. It's happening in this moment. And, And the God of the universe has longed them into existence. And God has woven um, God's fingerprints um, and invitation for connection uh, in everything that's happening to them, um, everything that's happening around them and all the conversations that are taking place. So the book, um, which is just excellent, Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together, opens with um, a child named Christopher. And mm. as you as you share with our audience about Christopher, um, I I am very aware that there are Christophers out there today who are not in classrooms like yours, but they are at home with parents who feel completely ill-equipped to mm-hmm. handle Christopher's challenges. So mm-hmm. introduce us to Christopher and sort of how mm-hmm. how and why he is where this book begins. Uh, well, I was teaching in upstate uh, New York, in Rochester, New York, in inner city Rochester, New York, and I was a brand new teacher. I mean, so very fresh and had just finished my master's degree in education. And um, he, um, on the very first day that I had him, he he had um, tried to shimmy down the uh, fire escape to get out of a math quiz. He um, was kicked out of the um out of the cafeteria, um, because he just really couldn't, he couldn't cooperate with the other children. And, uh, he had been, uh, kind of banned and he had to stay with me for all of his break time, all of his lunch time. And I was so young and so, um, ill-equipped. And so I didn't really have the energy to teach him anything. I just needed to listen to him. So over the course of the year, I just spent every day in all of our free time together listening to him. And he began to talk about what was good and beautiful and true in his life. And, and some of the true was very hard. Uh, he talked about you know, his mother's absence, the good of his um, grandmother in taking care of him. Um, and he also thought about the good of his, of our uh, school principal, Mr. Bell and all the different ways. And, and he began to work through his own inner life. And I was absolutely stunned. Um, counselors couldn't sort of get to him. Um, but he began to change just simply by listening and, and your listeners who may be at home with um, children that are really struggling, um, can I just encourage you to just set some time out every day um, just to listen? There will be plenty of time to teach if you ch- choose to do so. There will be plenty of time to play. But I wonder what it would be like, what, what you would hear, um, how you might be able to listen your own children into life, just saying, okay, so for 20 minutes every day, we're just going to sit down and listen to one another um, and bring up some of those conversations. How did you feel today? Um, when did you feel angry? When did you see something that was good? When did you see or experience something that was beautiful? Um, when did something come to your mind that was very true? And when I use the word true, um, what I mean is something that's sure. Um, you mentioned that we live on a hobby farm and we do. We have barns and chickens and goats and horses and that kind of thing. And 
one year when a um, storm came through and just um, hailed, just beat beat the tar out of everything. Um, my dad walked out to the barn and he gave the pillar a shake, and he said, "Well, this this is true." And surely everything else had been beaten down, but that barn was true. So helping our children notice in this season what is sure, what is true, what is holding when everything else is shifting and swaying. And in that way, we we invite them to um, a resiliency that will um, they can go back to that um, in the storm. Um, uh, I was listening on just kind of right before you introduced me, Max Lucado giving um, that encouraging word. You know, what was true was his dad and that experience in cornbread and milk. Um, I'm from West Texas, too, so that rings true <laughs> to me. Um, but that, um, that there are things that are true and sure. And calling those to our mind, to our attention, lays down a neurological footprint so we can listen and lean into those later in other times. We have an incredible opportunity right now to draw our children's attention to what is true. And those are God's fingerprints in the world. I'm talking with Lacey Finn Borgo. Uh, we're talking about spiritual conversations with children, listening to God together, a brand new book from InterVarsity. Um, when you talk about are listening to our kids. Um, I want to pivot. We got to take a quick break, but I want to pivot to what does it look like then to listen together with them to God? Um, and and some of us um, just need some reminders about good listening, good active listening. Um, you've got chapters on posture, patterns, and power, as also uh, and also the gift of eyes and ears. Um, I want to I want to visit those topics. When we talk about listening to our kids, we need some reminders of like, you know, how what are those best practices related to listening, and then how are we on this expedition together with them um, in terms of listening to God? Going to continue this conversation with Lacey Finn Borgo in just a moment. Continuing my conversation with Lacey Finn Borgo. She is the author of Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together. You can also find her at gooddirtministries.org, gooddirtministries.org. We want our families to be good dirt um, in order that we can raise up children who ultimately produce for God a harvest of righteousness in their own lives. Uh, Lacey, thank you again for joining us today. Let's talk about um, some good listening practices for us as parents of children. And then um, and let's pivot the conversation to what does it look like for us to listen together with our kids to God? Mm, thank you. It's good to be with you, Carmen. Um, I, I like the acronym BOW, B-O-W, and um, as a way to kind of remind us how to be present with anybody um, and especially our children. And the B is for body. Um, in order to be really fully present and listening to someone, we turn our bodies towards them. And for us, I mean, we're all, um, uh, you know, at home in our own little cloistered monasteries. Um, and um, so we can have this tendency to be on our phones a lot. 
um, especially as we're kind of craving outside stimulus. And so to really be present and listening to someone is to set our devices aside and turn our bodies towards, uh, towards the person we're listening to. And this means looking at them in their eyes. This means opening um, our bodies, our shoulders, our, not crossing our arms or our legs, just having a very open body posture to the person. And this communicates, I'm listening, and this is a safe place for you to share with me. We can't overstress enough how important the body is. And the O in bow is for openness. Um, you know, children have an incredible sort of safety monitor. And if they think that we are listening for an agenda, um, for a certain thing, or so that we can share our story about the time when this happened in our lives, or if we're um, looking to judge them in any way, which I know, you know, that's part of instruction as parenting. But what I'm talking about is a kind of a judgment-free, fully open listening time for, say, 20 minutes a day. So, you know, cultivating that openness in our own heart, re- um, it, it really uh, stirs up in us our trust that the spirit is the one doing the teaching and the wooing of our children. And we can overfunction as parents and not trust the spirit. So, um, you know, uh, journaling about that, talking with the Lord about that in our own prayer time helps us have this just incredible openness towards our children. And then the W is wonder. So B, body, O, openness, W, wonder. How do we cultivate a wonder, begin to listen and wonder with our children? What is God doing in your life? How is the Spirit wooing you? Um, How is God reaching out to you through your friendships? How is God reaching out to you through my relationship as a parent with you? How is God reaching out to you through um, this um, trial that we're all in um, with the coronavirus? So that B-O-W and asking wondering questions like, um, uh, uh, how does a special person or creature in your life make you feel? So with our young children, we might say, uh, how does holding your stuffed animal, maybe it's a special stuffed friend that a child has, how does this make you feel? What does this, I mean, I've noticed that my my um, youngest is 15 and she still has poorly worn, it's just almost rags, a stuffed animal. And I've asked her, what does that smell like? And she described to me how it smells like home. And and what this does is, again, this opens up this connection between the two of us. And it helps children um, to, it helps their picture of God to be shaped by this deep connection between us. Um, We can also ask questions, wondering questions like, when have you felt closest to God? And when I ask Uh, children these questions. They tell me things like, um, well, when I was walking in the trees on a fall day, or when I was in church and I was singing with everyone, and suddenly um, I felt like God was singing with me. I've heard that story before. Um, uh, Another question that we can ask, uh, and I encourage parents to ask this, you know, at the dinner table, actually, what are you thankful for? Um, anytime that you're having a shared meal, sit down and, and maybe and make it kind of a ritual or a rhythm for your family. Name three things. Everyone has to name three things they're grateful for. And just kind of making that 
part of the warp and wolf of our lives, weaves in this gratitude um, that alerts us to the someone that we're that we offer our gratitude to, which is to God. Um, so can I can I offer uh, in the midst of this uh, a couple of observations? One would be um, some families are going to um, need to maybe just write down, brainstorm, write down a bunch of these questions, put them on index cards and put them in a basket on your table and pass the basket around. Because if you have kids like mine, um, it's going to sound like an interrogation if you just start this and you're the person who's always asking the question. So pass the basket mm. around. Let the questions come from all around the table Um, Maybe start with, uh, you know, everybody gets to pick a question they want to answer, um, and then the next night we're all going to answer that question. Those kinds of things, just to take a little of the pressure off for those of you who might be starting this kind of pattern afresh and anew. Um, uh, I I don't want to run completely out of time, um, Lacey, before you and I have an opportunity to um, just, just talk with people about whole person prayer. This is one of the parts of the book that I just, I think is such a blessing. What is whole person prayer? Well, children aren't um, aren't moving into their reasoning faculties um, like they don't have them all right off the gun, right out the bat. I mean, we can notice that in young children, their reasoning factories and also their uh, ways to communicate aren't verbal. And so children communicate with their bodies. And um, so maybe it's um, with younger children learning to pray the Lord's Prayer or Psalm 23 with your body. Maybe you make up um, some motions. Um, I have some suggestions in the back of my book around how to do that. Maybe it's drawing your prayer. So leaving a set of markers, um, washable, washable markers, or crayons out on the table with some paper and allowing them to um, draw. The other is play. Um, children play their desires and their longings um, with toys. They play out what's happening internally in their toys. And so it makes sense that they would... They would play their prayers, their conversations with God. Um, When my kids were little, we had a little um, kind of indoor, tiny, tiny child's tent. It was SpongeBob SquarePants. I regret it. But anyway, that's what it was. And um, we set it. We set it in the corner of the house and we put a battery powered lamp. A little light, and we put um, some crayons and some paper and a little shallow panda sand. Now, um, that was a stretch for me, but it was a good growing opportunity to have sand in the house. Um, but the, our kids could go, and sometimes I even went, um, into this little tent of meeting at any time that they just needed a space to go and talk with God. Um, and they could turn on the little light, you know, um, the fire by night and um, draw the pictures that were stirring in them or draw their prayers with their finger in the sand. And um, we also had silly putty um, in there. But can I, I'm just going to give you a parenting tip. That stuff sticks in the carpet like anything. So only if you don't have carpet. <laughs> but just this way to get their bodies in on their prayer life. Um, because it's happening. The God of the universe is reaching out to them right now. And we as parents have a unique opportunity to give them the space um, to do that. So, um, Lacey, thank you so much. Uh, What's the best place for people to go to find resources related to what you're talking about today, in addition to the book, Spiritual Conversations with Children? Hmm. Well, you can go to my website, thedirtministries.org, and um, you'll, there's lots of videos uh, there, tutorials for how to talk with children. 
as well. So fantastic. GoodDirtMinistries.org. Lacey, thank you um, so very much for being with us here today on Mornings with Carmen. We really appreciate it. Wonderful to be with you. Okay, so um, we've completely run out of time today, which is not unusual for us um, um, on days like this. And so I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, you can always go and listen again to this conversation. Paul will post it later today at MyFaithRadio.com as a podcast on the Mornings with Carmen page. Um, We're going to look forward to posting there also some um, ideas from the Capsners about those of us who are now homeschooling and didn't expect to be. Um, And so that's, it's a wonderful way for you to be an ambassador of the program and share it with somebody else by going to the website, myfaithradio.com, picking up a particular episode that you really enjoyed and sharing it with someone uh, to whom you would think that it would be relevant. That's a great way for you to be an ambassador of this ministry um, and a partner with us in the advance of the gospel. We want to be of encouragement to you. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.